welcome to On the Outskirts with me, Sophia Rosemary, and Alice Catherine. get into the catch up um and get into the episode um first of all we just apologize for being um gone for so long <laughs> yes uh the episodes I mean we started recording during the sort of height of lockdown didn't we season two um and I think they just got a bit repetitive and we both just needed a bit of a a mental break from it didn't we really yeah we're not from each other <laughs> kind of went a bit AWOL didn't we um I think like for anything to have consistency this year is difficult isn't it so I hope we're excused uh. <laughs> I think as well because we initially started the second series with the idea that we were all in lockdown and it was like sharing things that we were doing where what, what we were watching what we were reading etc and I think it kind of ran its course and we were a bit like you know we were able to do more normal things, more normal everyday things, and life felt a bit more normal. Mm. Little little bunny rabbit is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it kind of felt a bit irrelevant. Whereas now it feels like we've kind of we've gone back a bit, and we're we're kind of in lockdown again. So it feels a bit more relevant again. Does that make sense? Have I just rambled? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're recording this. I mean, we're in Halloween week. We, we're calling it Halloween week, aren't we? As fans of Halloween. <laughs> um and we are obviously in Manchester still and we've gone into tier three in Manchester so shout out to any fellow <laughs> tier, tier three, three is. <laughs> so it does it, feel like we've re- we've regressed massively into... and I think I don't know I mean it's all just got so confusing hasn't it I don't think I'm the first person to like vocalize that but it does like you say it is a bit disheartening to go back to sort of strict rules again um after I mean lockdown the the proper national lockdown we had feels like decades ago now doesn't it gosh yeah and when you look back on your thought process at that time you know for example November seemed forever away and it felt like in November coronavirus was going to be long gone and we'd be back you know it'd be u- business as usual and now we're, we're hit we're nearly on November's doorstep and we're no further forward and it just feels yeah it's sort of hard to see I mean with the first lockdown it was sort of like when, when we get through this there'll be light on the other side and then and it's <laughs> yeah. like we're in tier three again and we're approaching you know winter and you know, it's uncertain what Christmas is going to look like. Not that that's a big thing, but, you know, it is a thing in the year that a lot of people look forward to and it brings families yeah. together. And I think it's sort of like this time in the year where people start thinking about what they're going to do for Christmas because people like to plan ahead and people live all different parts of the country or whatever. So it is a strange time to not really know what the end of the year is going to look like. Um, hey. I keep thinking about New Year's Eve and how bizarre that's going to feel like. <laughs> it's just going to I know. And it's, and I think for me personally, I found it really hard because it's not even about not knowing what's going to happen at Christmas. We don't know what's going to happen next week because it feels like the rules and the goalposts change so much. And I think we've definitely felt that being from Manchester and having just gone into tier three, Mm. it felt like we were set at tier two. And then the next week it was like, nope, (laughs) you know. I think especially 
for the way we work as well it relies on being able to plan ahead and plan things for work and trips and it's it's been impossible to plan anything this year really hasn't it and or to get your hopes up about anything you sort of just have to be like well it might happen but I'm not going to get excited about it yeah last minute for my own peace of mind if I make plans now Mm. they are all TBC until like literally the day before because if I set my heart on them um and another thing gets cancelled I just think it feel like it just makes me too disheartened. I can't, I can't, I don't have the mental capacity to deal with that disappointment anymore. No, I think because everybody, like when we were in the first lockdown, it felt much more like a sense of community because it felt like, oh, we're all in it together, blah, blah. Now, because there's all these tier systems, it sort of feels a bit like the Hunger Games. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and there's a lot of finger pointing. Um, and yeah, a lot, I, th- I feel like the tier system like correct me if you think I'm wrong but I feel like it actually encourages people to judge other people yeah because if you're in a lower tier you're looking at the higher tiers and thinking oh they've they've not followed the rules they've not got it right and it's not the I just I fail to believe that that's the case yeah and it's sort of like the lower tiers if they they don't want to go into a higher tier so they're looking at the higher tiers thinking well if you're not following the rules you're going to make us go into a higher tier and then it's it, it, yeah it's this constant sort of blame shifting between everyone and I think it's um yeah it does make me despair a little bit I mean I think obviously when the first lockdown happened I knew that that wouldn't be it because it's not how a virus works is it you can't just lock everyone up and then let people out again and expect it to disappear it's yeah it's going to be something that we live with I think and I think a lot I think that's settled in a bit to my sort of psyche now I'm like yeah this is something I have to live with and at first I was sort of just like willing it to go away and just felt really anxious about it and didn't know how in hell I was gonna like work my job around it and mm-hmm. mental health and then now I think I'm sort of used to it and it is just something that you know it's second nature to put my mask on now or um not make plans for the weekend or stay indoors forever and ever and always fourth pot noodle of the day whilst watching my <laughs> six Netflix show of the week um but you're um I think you were quite similar to me so just completely unplanned because how could we have planned it it was just very much luck of the draw um me and joe we planned like a few normal activities literally by the skin of our teeth before going into tier three um so we did like a little mini break to cornwall we even went to an art gallery um it was like all of these things which It was a bit bittersweet, really, because looking back, we were like, oh, look how normal life's gone. It, you know, we're back, we're back to doing normal activities with our weekends. And then it was like, literally, with the click of a finger the next week, it was like, nope, you're not doing those things anymore. It does sort um, of make it quite exciting, though, when you do manage to do something and it's safe. <laughs> you, like, come away from it being like, oh, it was just so nice to sit in a cafe and have a coffee with a friend. Or, like, it was so nice to go to, I can't for one thing I can't wait to be able to do is go to the cinema again because that that was something that I do probably every week without fail like, I miss that and I'm, I'm really worried that that's gonna everything's just like gonna be on our laptops now and I kind of I like the process of like going to the cinema and well you know like going to the ballet like watching a show or something that's just not on a, like a, 
a laptop screen basically or a tv screen yeah completely and it feels like at the minute that's completely obsolete and touching upon like theatres and performers and being someone who is my boyfriend is a performer yeah I just feel so sorry for anyone in the entertainment industry right now because I was pitching him like a ballet dancer (laughs) (laughs) in river dance do you know what though Joe's got well he's a drummer so he's got great rhythm so I see Joe but I bet he'd be a good ballet dancer I could see him you know pair of tights <laughs> my mum thinks Joe's got a look of Patrick Swayze so now I'm just imagining him in Cuban heels like you should so dress up as that for Halloween and reenact it yeah. that's like so not your thing to reenact it but <laughs> <laughs> what I'm like the number one dirty dancing fan and I like dressing up no, sure. but the idea of you posting a reel or a video on Instagram where you're reenacting a dance of something. Oh, yeah, like, like really the fear got, thing. Yeah, sure, no, not my vibe. <laughs> but yeah, the matching outfits, I'll, I'll wait for that. Because you've yeah. done curly hair before. You did it for, um, did you do like a 70s thing? You went to a 70s party and did it like a perm. Yeah. You could do the same hair and yeah. then you've got loads of cardigans. <laughs> really love that hair actually it did make me make me consider a perm seriously <laughs> it, looked, it looked amazing also just give joe a quick little spray tan and then you're off you're off you don't even need to buy anything <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's something to consider do you know what sadly actually one of the plans for this year that did get cancelled is um me and my friend emma and um, she bought it me for my birthday we're supposed to go to like uh, i can't remember the name of it it's a company that do it and they do like different films but immersive cinema of dirty okay. dancing like make it look like elements and you go and you do like you know um did they do one for correct me if i'm wrong was there a stranger things one i feel like i saw a few people on instagram doing it is it in london so I don't think the Stranger Things one was, so it was a similar thing. I don't think it was by the same company. Mm. They'd done like a similar one for Stranger Things. Um, but the company have done like, they did a famous one for Blade Runner where they made they made it all look like, you know, the um, Chinatown kind mm. of dystopian city vibe. Um, and they're just meant to be absolutely amazing. But yeah, it didn't, it's not happened. <laughs> that does sound exciting maybe Um, you can do it again when things are a bit more normal well yeah that's what that's the story of our lives for 2020 isn't it yeah maybe someday in the future (laughs) we just dedicate this 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 episode to plans that got cancelled i know speaking of which halloween is a big one that's been cancelled pretty much this year hasn't it yeah i was saying has trick-or-treating been cancelled because it's the first time probably where it would be quite a horrifying thing to open your door to a ten a group of ten little children asking you for sweets. It would <laughs> genuinely be quite horrifying. <laughs> like a, a group of super spreaders at your door, like, oh my <laughs> with the hands like ah. <laughs> Yeah, the washed hands like reaching out for candy. You'd be like, Oh my god, please make it stop. Um, funnily enough as well, like I um we both love Halloween, don't we? Yeah. Literally, from the 1st of October, I am like, Halloween go-getter. Like, it's time to put as much pumpkin decorations 
as I can fit anywhere around the house. Um, so last week I bought um, like a big bucket of trick-or-treat sweets in preparation and probably thinking a bit too optimistically. And now it doesn't look like the trick-or-treater thing is going to happen. Uh, that bucket of sweets has just become a real burden. Like I I'm eating just pure sweets all day, every day. <laughs> um, I, um, you sort of live in an area where well, you live in a house, don't you? So it's I imagine like it's a nice when kids come and knock on the door you know when things are more normal yeah but exactly. I live in an apartment on the third floor so if someone knocks on my door on Halloween like it's quite jarring like yeah. Who is it? yeah how did you get through the the door cones <laughs> yeah, it's definitely more creepy definitely um, creepy but yeah, yeah that's why I'm excited to move into a house for when I can have some little trick-or-treaters you know when things are more normal and they're not spreading coronavirus obviously <laughs> so cute and it's like the most exciting thing ever um but yeah it's just not going to happen this year but no to be fair um, I had planned to just put out a bucket of sweets and say help yourself mm. um but I just don't think that will be happening either so yeah so I'm just eating the sweets on my own help yourself and sanitize your hands after <laughs> <laughs> I thought that about putting a little what, what, hand fan out but then yeah, then you've got to hand sanitize where I live that would probably get nicked yeah you just see one kid running off with the whole bucket of sweets out of your window um so I'd just rather eat them myself yeah. <laughs> what what time are you putting this bucket out maybe I'll make sure I'm in the area <laughs> you'll just see me is that you <laughs> you never saw me um <laughs> speaking of Halloween um what else have you been doing to get into the spirit do you think are you, are you gonna watch any nice films or I've been watching a lot of um as you well know I don't like scary films which is a real cross to bear at Halloween because I like the idea of scary things but mm -hmm. then watching them is a whole different story and it affects my life for about two weeks after because I don't get any sleep but then Especially. I think some of the most famous Halloween films aren't necessarily scary. They're some of the most yeah. sort of like, yeah. So this is the good thing. So I've been watching a lot of like nostalgic kind of Halloween-y themed films that I've not watched in a few years because I've just not had the time to. Yeah, like oh. all the classics. I mean, Sam's already written out like a very like strict agenda. Like he loves Halloween. So he wants to start off with like the Halloween Simpson episodes, which are like his favourite. Yeah. Then he wants to go into like watching like something that's not too scary and a bit novelty, you know, like the Scooby Doo Halloween one or like. Beetlejuice um, we watched. That yeah, was in like sort of like funny and I think it was like an Adam Sandler one um, on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I tried it. A bit daft, but it's like cute. And then he wants to watch. And then he was like, then I thought we could watch all the Scream films. And I was like, how long do you think I'm going to be staying up for? <laughs> yeah. An hour. Of life. And I was also like, I don't think I'm up for watching every single one of the Scream films, but I don't know. I'd quite like to watch something like scary. There's a new film. I think it's called Saint Maud. Have you heard of it? Anything with that kind of biblical vibe. <laughs> You're just like, no, that creeps me out already. I'm already yeah. picked on somebody. Do you know what we're going to watch on Friday, actually? Because you can rent it. The New Witches. Oh, can you rent it? Yeah, it's pretty damn pricey at £15. £15? Bloody hell. But I'm willing to do it. Because <laughs> I've got nothing else to spend my money on. 
trick or treat trick 15 pounds to watch <laughs> well then we were saying it is just like going to the cinema yeah, that, no, fifteen pounds is quite expensive for one person, isn't it? Yeah, well, normally you spend that plus food and or plus popcorn or whatever. God, I'm starting to sound like my mum. I know. I thought this whole this whole conversation we do sound a bit like like our mums, but yeah. um, so so you're just gonna have a marathon of Halloween films? I think so. Yeah, and just um, do some baking. I've bought you're like good scary films though. You're like you just smash them out like there's without a care in the world. It's like I don't. I, I'm not. I've not got a, as a big tolerance as I used to have them. But I went through. I don't know if you did the sort of same in like the nineties, where you'd nineties two thousands, where there was all this. There was this whole back catalogue of sort of like scary films that you'd want to get through, and you weren't obviously allowed to watch them when you were younger. So when you started going to sleepovers in different people's houses, you'd be like, "Oh, what have you managed to rent for us?" And it'd be like really exciting. Like I managed to get hold of like Saw. All the Saw films, all like the we're real part of like the Blair Witch generation, aren't we? Of like there was like this real renaissance of horror film, like cult horror films that were like like Good a bit naff now, really. But but in um, but in a way, I don't think there's been many. I mean, it's so hard to make a good horror film, like rep, the, because everybody's sort of guessing the end right from the beginning, and I feel like most people are going to be disappointed by whatever the ending is. And it's just sort of, I don't have big expectations when I watch a horror film, but yeah. I like something that's got, I'd say I'm more of a thriller fan. I like something like The Sixth Sense or The Others. Yeah. Um, I like something that's got a solid story and that feels like it could maybe happen. Like, <laughs> no, I agree. And I can watch, so I can actually do thrillers perfectly fine. I'm, I'm good with anything to do with serial killers as we know um or like even some some uh paranormal activity is fine oh, paranormal but not a poor paranormal activity oh, fucked me up like excuse the language <laughs> there's a scene where she gets you know it's like you can see the their bedroom camera and she gets dragged out of the bed and her body just flops out the bed but nobody you can't see anyone pulling pulling her so it just, oh, just don't do that to me. oh that scene it scared me for for years like I'd be in bed and I'd just be thinking like someone's gonna go and see <laughs> yeah like it's that whole thing of you can't put a leg out of your duvet because that's no. when you're like really vulnerable to ghosts and ghouls <laughs> dripping with sweat and you're just like nope I can't <laughs> I'm fine yeah um, I've been in the dark either so I always like a lamp on somewhere in the distance like I really don't like pitch blackness it makes me feel claustrophobic but then does that not, so if I'm in the house on my own, which happens quite a lot because Joe mm. goes away quite a lot, if I'm in bed, the whole house has to be dark because I, I don't know if this is me, the idea of a light being on downstairs kind of makes me feel like there's life going on downstairs. But that's what I like. Yeah. It's sort of like, oh, it's cosy out there. And I sort of, I don't know, my mum was one of those people because she was a single mum like brought us up on her own she would leave the lamp on sometimes and like even if we'd go out for the evening which is really bad because <laughs> it's a fire hazard but she'd be like well it looks like somebody's in yeah yeah we did that I still do that now yeah so I think it's just like I don't know it's just it's one of those things I just don't like I'm the type of person who the best environment for me to fall asleep is like if someone's watching tv in the other room like it's so, so cozy to me yeah I don't know I love a bit of background noise like it's it's dead cozy like when it's silent and it's really pitch black I'm just I don't know it's really like disconcerting 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, when you put it like that, it does seem logical the way that you're the way you're thinking. Um, but there's something about if the te- if a TV was on in the other room, it would it would really creep me out because mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, well, who's in that room? Like, what's what activities going on in there? I don't know. <laughs> I just I am so like pedantic when it comes to being scared in the house on my own now. Um, See, I'm quite. bought this house. I think I'm quite good at like. I don't think I'm easily scared, but I do have a very, very vivid match imagination, and then that's to my detriment sometimes because mm-hmm. I can hundred percent just like see things that aren't there, like yeah. um, especially like having a dog and having to go out into the garden yeah. regularly for him to go to the toilet. Oh there's like a a split second where the security light doesn't go on outside and you're just in pitch black and honestly my imagination goes wild in those in those like two seconds you're like well this is it now (laughs) yeah I don't know what no I say I don't know what happened but I do know what happened I used to be quite fearless Mm. I used to really like scary films and then um I studied film studies in college and we had to do shocking cinema and we had to watch a particular scene from The Exorcist um, a few times over to like analyse it and discuss mm-hmm. it. And it was the scene where she walks down the stairs. Oh, it's, it's... and they were having a party, and I, I nearly physically vomited. And ever since then, honestly, it was like from that moment on, I vowed to never watch another scary film again because it, it was the original Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. See, I find it quite comical the way the way like I watch that and find it really funny now and I don't know if it's because like the scary movie films have like took the piss out of it so much that it became funny but it's the special effects are so bad whereas if you watch like is it like the exorcist of Emily Rose like there's been so many different exorcists like we yeah haven't there and like spin-offs and stuff they're really quite terrifying you know like you can hear all the cracks in the neck and like oh no yeah it's oh, horrible but yeah I don't know it's weird what scares me it's never like the obvious things it's always like just something really like I watched a film called The Babadook have you ever heard of it uh yeah I have and I've heard it's meant to be like really horrific that terrified me but like it, it, I mean, on on paper and even what you see isn't that scary. It's just psycho. It's very psychological. Um, it's a it's a really really good film actually. Um, I really recommend that film. Like, there's some really great like themes like that run through it in terms of like grief and it's about like how this mother and son deal with grief. Um, and there's this like monster that she keeps locked. You know, it's like very symbolic and stuff. Um, yeah very well done but it really creeped me out and also the last film that really creeped me out was um midsummer midsummer yeah that's like kind of part of that um it's like a new genre of horror isn't it that's coming out where it is very very psychological like films like us and get Mm -hmm. out and midsummer they're all kind of that they're like real excuse my language head fucks aren't they it's very very trippy and even the way it's filmed sort of makes you feel like you're Tripping? trip yeah and they're, they're constantly like taking mushrooms throughout it and like tripping and it's very like it's all shot in the daytime so you think oh it can't be that scary but I came out of the cinema like I need to go and like sit in a dark room <laughs> yeah, 
there's nothing worse. Yeah, I, ju- I just, I just felt like it completely just like strips away all reality. It was just, it's such a good film though. Um, but yeah, what have you been watching other than, aside from Halloween things and scary films, have you been watching any good things on Netflix or reading anything good or? There's quite, uh, there's quite a few juicy, juicy bits out at the minute. Um, so I, and then I said it, I was like, ew. Um, so I watched Rebecca. Mm, what did you think? Netflix, net, blah, 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 blah. Let me start again. It's um, a Netflix film that came out last week um, starring Lily James and what's his chops? <laughs> I can't remember. Arnie or Arnie, Arnie Hammer. Hammer or Army Hammer? I don't know. Army Hammer doesn't sound right. You know what? It's better than what's his chops, isn't it? He was in Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, you know the one, the dashing one. Yeah, not Tim. Um, He's dashing also. You've seen it as well, haven't you? You've seen Rebecca as well. Yeah. Um, Thoughts? Oh, should we do a synopsis on what, in case no one knows what it's about? Yeah, so I didn't know. I did Gothic literature at um, uni and I did my dissertation on it as well. And I mean, I'm, I must have come across Rebecca, the book, at some point, but I've just never read it. And yeah. it's very up my street. Um, so it's based on a book called Rebecca. And then there was a Hitchcock version. Yeah, from like the early Hitchcock, so like yeah. 1940s. A black and white version. Um, so this is sort of a Netflix adaptation of it, isn't it? And it's a bit yeah. more sort of like glossy and... Um, very stylized. Very stylized. Yeah. It it's supposed to be. It, they call it a ghost story, mm. but I think that's a, that term is used very loosely. And it's basically about um, this young lady who um, marries, who falls in love with um, a gentleman on holiday. They mm. get married, um, and she moves into his estate. And it's all about how she's haunted by his past, um, dominantly his dead wife. His dead wife, yeah. I had quite high expectations for it because obviously I loved fashion-wise, like the era that it's sort of set in, it just looked beautiful. And then it's meant to be quite a dark, like gothic romance as well. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't feel like it went to the places it could have gone. And from what I've from the conversations I've had with people who've read the book they were really disappointed and said the book is so much more in depth um you really get to know the characters more and you sort of it, it gets a lot darker um and I just felt like it was a bit style over substance for me which was a shame because the cast was so great and like you say like stylistically it looks great on the screen and it's very enjoyable to watch but then it just towards the end it felt really rushed and I was like oh it felt massively rushed yeah and I feel like it alluded to um, to what the book's about. So this idea that almost the house in itself is its own character and, you know, it's very creepy and very unnerving. I think at the end she mentions about how she still has nightmares about the house. Sorry if that's a spoiler, anyone. Um, but the, it never gave you that impression that she felt truly haunted by the house it was more kind of the situation she was in, which was a bit problematic. And she had a bit of a toxic relationship with one of the, um, with one of the chief maids. Um, but yeah, it ne- I felt like it could have, it could have made the house more eerie. It could have made it more part of the story and a character in itself. And it didn't do that, which I was a bit kind of like, Oh, uh, like I kind of thought that was what the whole story was about. Yeah, I just didn't. It just didn't really connect with me the way I thought it would. But again, it was enjoyable to watch. Um, 
it just didn't really it lacked a bit of depth for me I think yeah um wise it was second to none it was like beautiful beautiful styling but I feel like I could go into because we've not recorded for so long there's so many things that I've watched but I'm going to start with something I've watched recently because um I feel like if you've not seen this you would really love it and I think um lots of people would too have you watched the Queen's Gambit yet or have you started it so I'm on episode uh, four or five. It popped up and I just clicked on it. I thought, this looks cool. Um, it's got Anya Taylor-Joy in it, who was in like Emma. I think she's in um, Split. Um, she's well, in... As well, isn't she? Yeah, and a few like horror films. I think she was in a horror film called like The Witch or something. Um, so I love her. Clicked on it and binge watched it in like two days. It's one of the best series I've ever watched and it's about chess. <laughs> yeah, that's the bit that really knocks you off your feet. You don't realise you're going to care that much. I know, but it's so well shot. It's so, this like, the style in it, like, everything. It's not, like, over the top. It's so, to preface a bit, it's, like, about a female um, chess prodigy, and I think it's set sort of, like, in the Cold War era. Um, and it sort of follows her life as, like, from being... Um, not to like ruin things too much but from being an orphan to then like becoming this chess prodigy um and it's just I think the reason why I found it so like um trying to think of the word like I found it energizing is that a word like yeah it was it was very excited because I think like a lot of things you watch about women at that time are very like stereotypical and I feel like this just really wasn't like all the men in it seem to like help her in some way and like she's she's very just like a strong female lead and even like the her mother in it that um her second mother that adopts her is very a very strong female character as well and they're just like really unapologetic and just I don't know, I like to think that there were women of that time that were like that and weren't just sort yeah. of... Yeah, she's like an anti-heroine in a way. Like, she definitely has her faults. Um, but it's quite refreshing to see, yeah, in the in the era that it's... And it's not it's, like... I mean, I loved Mad Men and, I, and I, I watched it when it came out and was, like, a big fan of it. But sometimes with Mad Men and sort of, like, period dramas, I feel like, I feel like they're, they're quite over the top and, like, stylized in a way that's maybe not quite realistic, but I feel like in this, the outfits are, like, more subtle and, like, probably a bit more real, and yeah, I don't know, like, the sets just feel, the sets are beautiful, like, some of the places where she plays chess and when she goes to Paris, I just, it's just so well done from start to finish. I, like, I couldn't have enjoyed it like more, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, completely. And not to compare it to Mad Men, because obviously there are a lot of, there are a lot of um, series and films based in the 50s and 60s, but I think Mad Men really set a benchmark, didn't it, um, and a precedence for what, for, for how stylized 50s and 60s could be yeah. um so you do always end up comparing but I did feel like this was the first series I've watched which kind of um scratched that itch I've had ever since Mad Men finished yeah it kind of really it was, it was so beautiful to watch um and just like even little things like the products yeah. were just I found really really intriguing how how at the attention to detail was just so um so so well done 
it's also like just a perfect story like the ending was perfect like obviously I'm not going to give any spoilers but every it just everything that I wanted to happen even though I didn't know I wanted it to happen happened and again just the, the dynamic between the male characters in her life and her I just found really interesting and just very refreshing to see on screen because in your head you sort of expect it to go one way and you expect the male characters to sort of let her down and stuff and it's just the complete opposite and I think it is just it was just so great to see like a lot of male characters rooting for this female character and sort of succumbing to the fact that she was better than them like it's just it's just very refreshing it made me feel like powerful as a as a like a woman watching it anyway so um I'm on episode four though and I just have to ask if you felt this um I feel like with every new character that's introduced Mm. or every kind of new circumstance she's in I'm expecting something really bad to happen and I don't know if that's because of that's the narrative we're normally given of a lead female character but I'm exp- like when she meets like when she's in a hotel room with a man yeah. or when she goes to her new adopted family, I kept expecting something really dark to happen. That's so similar to what I've, what I've just said, though. Exactly. I was exactly the same. Like, you know, when she starts playing chess with the man in the basement, I was like, well, he's going to start abusing her. Like your mind just goes to those sort of places, doesn't it? So it, it was like I say, it was kind of invigorating to see a woman just do well despite all the odds and the males around her was sort of like rooting for her I don't know because like you say you do expect maybe that's what keeps you watching because the dark part of your mind's like oh what's gonna happen like where's this gonna go um because she definitely has like her own demons that she has to like fight throughout it but most of that comes from like her sort of addiction and um, things that she suffers with on side of it that kind of goes hand in hand with her like how talented she is I think um but yeah, I feel like we've rambled about that a lot. But no, no it, it's, it's really good. Can't believe about it enough. I think you'll love some of the outfits that are coming up towards, like I think when when it's in like the more of the sixties as well. Yeah, she's getting better. I feel like, like more like winged eyeliner and berets and stuff, which is quite cool. Um, yeah, I'm starting to see that. Like she's definitely well, she's get she's coming into money, isn't she? So she's like, yeah. When the little girl came on screen, Sam was like, oh, she's got your hair cut. <laughs> I, I was like, does. it's cute, okay? <laughs> it kind of does. Great hair, though. Great hair throughout. I love that really blunt sort of like, for lack of a better word, is it hipster fringe? You know, where it's above the eyebrows. I've done that a few times and it's not it's not easy to pull off. I'm going to... just look like Uncle Fester in a, in a wig. <laughs> I really do. She looks so cool with it. Like the little girl actress is great, isn't she? Like Yeah, she is. She's really great. And uh, we, we have gushed about We have Queen's Gambit. Um Oh, I'll mention one other thing just because it's really wholesome and I'm sure the world's heard of it and watched it and I'm the last person I think on this train, but Shits Creek um is a amazing Canadian series, um, written by I think primarily like Eugene Levy who was in um and his son Daniel Levy but Eugene Levy like we all know from like the American Pie movies the dad in the American Pie movies um and it's one of those shows that's always I've seen people talking about it similarly to like this is us and I've always just thought oh no it's not for me blah 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 you sort of write it off somehow in your head even though you've not even watched the trailer and then I put it on one day just as like you know when you just want something on in the background and 
it's become one of my favourite shows of all time. No like, way! It is. The, it's just so well written. And, like, Catherine O'Hara is just, like, one of the best characters I've ever seen in, like, any sitcom ever. Like, she plays this sort of, like... It's sort of a family that go from, like... Um, I was going to say rags to riches, but it's the other way around. Riches to rags. <laughs> they sort of lose. They're this sort of family that live together, but they're not really a family because they never talk and they're all just consumed by money and blah, blah, blah. And then they get sort of everything ripped from underneath them and they have to move to this small town called Shit's Creek. And they have they end up living in a motel and it's sort of about their life and how they come back together as a family. Right. Um, and it's just so, so funny. Like, I've never watched... I've not watched anything in a long time that's made me laugh out loud like it's that. Like, it's won, like, loads of Emmys, hasn't it, recently or something? Yeah, I think it's had a bit of a renaissance, like, in lockdown. I think there's a lot of shows that have sort of become... got the recognition they've deserved because, mm-hmm. I guess, in real life, we don't have time to sit down and what, give every show our attention, do we? So Absolutely not. But um, I think you would love it, though, if you've not watched it. You have to sort of get through the first few episodes because it's very, like... It's very dependent on, like, you gelling with the characters. It's very, like, character-based. and But I just think the mum in it is, like... It's Catherine O'Hara. She's in... um, I think it's Catherine O'Hara is her name. Um, She's the mum in Home Alone. Yeah, and she's in Beetlejuice as well. The mum in Beetlejuice. The outfits in it. I was watching her behind the scenes. Like, she plays she plays this sort of really flamboyant actress in it and she has such like a specific accent that is just hilarious and she's always she's always got like grungy eyeshadow on and red lipstick and like a full like Alexander McQueen outfit even though they're living in this like motel that's like an absolute sort of shit (laughs) and it's just hilarious like it's I, I can't rave about it enough it's like it's like I don't know, it's sort of like what Friends was to me years ago. Yeah. It's one of those things I'm just going to keep Complete watching. comfort watching. Yeah. Complete comfort watch. And I I think it, it earned, I think it was quite big amongst the um, LGBTQ plus community, if I got that order right, um, because of the way that Daniel Levy writes the story between him and his, like, partner in it. Um and I was I was watching a few interviews and something he said like really really sort of like resonated. I found really interesting. And some people had sort of he'd sort of said that he'd made the decision not to write in any characters in the town who had a problem with him being like a homosexual man. And he said, once you write in a character who opposes um homosexuality, you're sort of giving an audience a member somewhere out there in a a reason to agree with them yeah, it was, justification or someone yeah. who um what's the word uh well basically relate to like yeah I feel the same as him and if it's a character that everybody's laughing at because you're like oh well you're really backwards nobody agrees with you blah 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 or a character that sort of gets the comeuppance or whatever he was like we just don't need to write that narrative anymore because it shouldn't exist so why am I he was like why am I going to write it into my show like it is just a, a town where it's like really accepting and nothing's questioned. It's just love is love and that's it. Um, and I think that's why it, it gains so much like um, variety, tension and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just it's just an amazing show and it's like funny, but it's it's really heartwarming and yeah, it's just got everything that you need at this time. <laughs> 
like a family show which is about Richard, um, but maybe is a little less heartwarming, but still great. Have you watched Succession yet? I've not, but I've. I, I what the hell, you'd love it. I, well, I tried to watch the first. Is it got one of the Culkin kids in it? Yeah, it has. Like one of the twenty Culkin kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. I swear. <laughs> it has. Oh God, I can't remember. So I tried to watch it. it might have been last year. And I, and I watched the first few episodes and I just couldn't get into it, but it's won so many awards and people people say a similar thing that you have to push through the first season. A hundred percent. So basically, we we decided to watch it because much like you, we'd heard loads of great things about it. It's won <laughs> Emmys, Golden Globes, all of that jazz. Um, and the first, I'd say, the first three episodes are, for want of a better word, a little bit in a little bit tedious mm. and the especially the second episode is just basically I think it's completely based in a hospital and I turned around to Joe and I said is this going to be it now is this mm. what it is is it, this, is it just going to be them having conversations in a hospital at being deadly serious because it was so slow moving and then you reach a real turning point and honestly like just amazing dialogue like really really witty the humor in it is kind of a slightly awkward humour, which is kind of, I'm trying to think what it's quite similar. To. You, I think you would definitely love it. And I'm really surprised you haven't watched it. Well, I just feel like I tried and I didn't. It, again, I think when before pre-lockdown TV watching was very different, I'd watched something. And if I didn't like it in a few episodes, I was like, well, why am I giving my time to this? Whereas yeah. Now, I have more time to sort of hone in on things and be like, no, well, I'm going to give this a chance because it's the only thing left on the internet that I haven't watched. <laughs> yeah, like completely. You can push through a bit more, like you've got the time. Um, but no, it is. It's absolutely, um, it, it's so it's so clever. There's a character in it called Greg and he's like, he, he's like the hero comedy character in it. Just really hilarious. That's like um, Moira in Shit's Creek. And I feel like you you would just love her like I just know you would like she's she like carries the show for me yeah best so I don't know why we've gone on a theme of rich families there but we, <laughs> we have um so we've spoken about a few quite a few things there that we've been watching anything you've been reading or do you know what I will be very very boring answer and very unlike me answer um I've had a real um I've fallen out of love with reading a bit recently. Um, I I started reading a book called Out of Love by Hazel Hayes, which um, I, I really enjoyed it. And I just got halfway through it. And then, I don't know, just put it down one day and haven't picked it up for a good two weeks now. So um, I feel like it's been very hard to um, concentrate. And I'm the type of person that I can only read when I'm relaxed. Yeah. So I'm the type of person that will go on holiday for two weeks and read like five books. But then when I'm working, I just can't switch off in that way. Like, yeah, something like Netflix or a film has always been my way of switching off. Whereas reading, I have to be in a very specific mindset to be able to read and enjoy it. Completely. And it a lot for me. <laughs> I think, do you know, I do, weirdly, I do think a summertime is, for me, the perfect time to you know read all the best reading material and really get stuck into a book um uh, and I don't know why but autumn and winter this year especially just hasn't been the year for me to get really stuck into anything I'm sure that will change because I love nothing more than curling up with a good book and I'm hardly a party animal especially at the minute um but yeah nothing's really been inspiring me recently how about you have you been reading anything um I the last book I read 
what I've been listening to a few like audiobooks and I listen to podcasts a lot. I love podcasts a lot so I feel like sometimes there's not enough space in the day to pick up a book as well um which is bad um because I have a huge reading list that I I really want to get through this year but I've just not been in that mindset where I can just like pick up a book and sit and read it like I think because Sam's at home and he's always in the other room and I can hear him on Skype or do whatever he's doing as well it's never just like I'm in a quiet space it's always like there's something going on or um but the last book I read, which I just finished this weekend, was Lily Allen's um, autobiography, um, which is a total random one for me. And I know it got a lot of like positivity when it came out and a lot of good reviews and stuff. Um, and I kind of always thought at the time, oh, maybe I'll pick that up. And then I think I was buying something on Amazon and it came up and I just thought, oh, I'll just add that to my basket because, you know, I fancy that. Maybe it'll be a bit something different. And I enjoyed it so much. Um Obviously, she's a songwriter, so it's pretty well written. Um, and it just sort of goes through, like, I think the sign of a good autobiography is when you sort of forget about the person that you're reading about a little bit and it just becomes human experience rather than this celebrity that I've seen on the TV. Yeah. It wasn't, like, flashy or... Narcissistic. She talks about stories of, like, celebrities she shagged and stuff, like Liam Gallagher in a plain toilet once and, like, Mike Skinner... So she does talk about that and she talks about like Glastonbury and like what it's like to perform there and how she sort of was brought up there as a kid. And there's all these like juicy pop culture references from like the 90s and the 2000s and stuff and about her living in London, um, about the fashion label she started. And she's just really honest about all her failures and all her successes and um, a music producer who, um, music like executive guy that she calls him in the book that she doesn't name. Um, the fact that he abused her and how she's been abused by the men around her um, and just she talks openly about um, her, the stillborn child she had which is like a really sad chapter in the book but so honest like I've never read anything about like that in a book before that's just so open and honest and not using like flowery language almost if that makes sense Um and she's one of those people that obviously we've she's always been in the background as we've grown up and you'll see pictures of her in the Daily Mail or whatever. But it was interesting how she talked about the media and how she would she talks about how she would see things in the media like pictures of herself with these headlines that were just not relevant to that what happened that night at all. They just put this fake narrative on things. So she started to lose her mind a little bit and be like, Did this did this happen? Did I do that? Because she sort of lost herself within like, this the real Lily and who she was and then who the media were sort of paint, painting her out to be and it was it was so interesting because I'd never really thought about it like that and how much that would really head fuck you if one narrative was constantly being spun about your life and who you are and this is this is you've got no control of it over it as well if it's completely fictitious Mm. how do you how do you police that because they're going to make it up irregardless of what you do or what you say and she talks about a relation, I, I related to so much of it actually weirdly, like um, she talks about the relationship with her dad and how they aren't that close. And there's a really sad bit in the book where she sits him down and she's like, I really need your help. I'm not okay. Like she's suffering with like um, depression and like the death of her child. And she's like it really in a bad way with like drugs and alcohol. Um, and she sits down with her dad and sort of opens up to him for the first time in ages 
and he sort of says well do you think you're really upset about that or is it about your career because he's read something about her career being over in the paper and she sits there and she goes oh my god even my own family my own flesh and blood blood are believing this like media narrative of me and not what I me the real Lily like feels in real life and it's I don't it was just it was just really really interesting like a really easy read like it's um not a long read at all and like you kind of fly through it but not a book that I would have necessarily picked up I would never pick that out for you but I I do like Lillian I've got nothing against Lillian so it it was she's just not she's not necessarily someone where I'd be like oh I'm really excited to read that book but um it's made me sort of realize maybe I need to read more autobiographies because I did really enjoy like reading about her her life and experiences and stuff you know what I never give autobiographies a chance even um you know the Elton John uh I can't remember the title of it it came out in December um which would be right up my street I just just completely bypassed it wasn't something that I thought would be my cup of tea at all which is a shame really because I've not watched his film you know oh uh... <laughs> I mean the soundtrack's good yeah imagine she talks about Elton John in a, in a book actually because she was she's quite close to him and she talks about when she got really I think they presented an award show together and she got really drunk and she insulted him or something and it was a joke but then the next day and, and he took it as a joke because he'd known it like since she was little or something and then the next day the media were like oh she slags off Elton John live on air and like I don't know it just makes you think doesn't it about all the sort of stories you read in the in magazines and papers and stuff and you think that's true Oh, yeah. Well, women are always painted out to be unlikable, aren't they? This is one of the biggest curses of the media is that um, it it kind of perpetuates the idea that women should try really hard to always be likable because it puts fault in everything they do. But but maybe that's a different subject for a different day. I know. And now she's married to um, David Harper, isn't she, from Stranger Things? I was so emotionally invested in that wedding. <laughs> the pictures, so I was like, oh. Um, and I randomly saw the other day that she's got a new sex toy out, so there's something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've spoken about quite a lot. We have, we've, we've covered um, covered most bases. Sorry it's been a bit rambly, probably, um, but we'll hopefully be a bit more consistent with the last few episodes of this um, series over winter um because obviously we're in tier three so we're not going out as much and <laughs> we're not going anywhere not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah so- i feel like this episode we were just really excited to get the ball rolling again and we've just been like two kids like nattering away i hope you've got something of value out of this episode <laughs> but yeah we'll we'll i think we'll discuss more sort of meaty topics mm-hmm. going forward and i think you'll be listening to this after halloween so we hope you had a nice halloween whatever you managed to do um And yeah, we hope you're all okay and looking after yourselves. Um, And thank you for listening as always. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.